welcome to the Low Key Podcast. I am Tim Malloy with Aaron Lanton and Keith Denny, your other co-hosts of the Low Key Podcast. And this week we are talking about I'm a Virgo, the new Amazon series from Boots Riley, director of Sorry to Bother You, and a beloved by me musician uh, best known for The Coup, uh, a hip-hop group that goes back to the early 90s that I am a giant fan of and I have just learned my two co-hosts are not fans of it at all um not that they don't like the coup they're just not as familiar with the coup as me my interest in the coup has always made me very interested in boots riley's movies um unfortunately it sounds like we are not giant fans of i'm a virgo um so let's get into it aaron do you want to start you've seen every episode have and i still don't know what it's about <laughs> uh, and that that is probably the for all boots Riley stuff I almost feel like being able to talk through like give a synopsis of a show like here's the thing his shows aren't shows and I mean this is rare but I but it's a genuine thing for, for good and bad if I were to spoil the plot of the show, it would not have an impact on your viewing of the show at all. <laughs> because the plot is not the point at all. Um, what Boots Riley has to say is the point. Um, and the different instruments and allegories he chooses are fantastical. Uh, they are meant to challenge your understanding of things that came before because he's referencing old things but he's putting like entirely different spins on them and you know it, it's really i feel like his shows are meant to be in in movies are meant to be watched multiple times and to have all the different sorts of theories and interpretations on what things mean that seems very clear to me looking at his work um and um we can talk through what that means for this show. Um, I, I think it, it in times it really does work, but it's not as cohesive as it could be. And I think it works to its detriment overall, though. That piece of it, the not being cohesive, but it has things that work, though. I do think. I should have summarized what it's basically about before we get into it. <laughs> yeah, um, sure. It's about a young black family in Oakland, California, whose son. Uh, quickly, quickly, quickly grows to the point that he's about, at some point, I think he's about 20 feet tall by the time he's like 20 years old. Yeah, whatever it is, yeah. They try to sort of hide him from the world, knowing that he will be hated and feared. Um, And Walton Goggins plays a vigilante uh, comic book artist. I'm sorry, a comic book artist turned vigilante um, who becomes kind of a threat to him. That he also idolizes at one point, you know. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, he he is the lone uh superhero if you will. Um not a person with powers but like a high-powered billionaire doing basically like a evil Batman slash slow Iron Man thing with like cuz it's like bad technology but like things that you can't do here. He can actually fly with this technology. Um but it's not like super just you know, bondage kind of stuff. But he can fight too, though. You know, he can actually jack of people. 
Um, and I wasn't sure I was expecting that at first, but it's you know it is what it is. It, it's again, it, it has stuff to say about you know fascist Batman. So yeah, yeah. Keith, what'd you think? Mm, I have a few thoughts. I'm once once again, it was one of those things. Um, <laughs> the show is kind of confusing, and on certain levels, and I agree with um what Aaron said. It's like, what is is this just um you know Boots Riley trying to make a point same way you did with um sorry to bother you. And it's just one of those things. Like it, it's just one of them things. Is either like you're on board with his style or you're not. It's kind of like um it's that one guy that I, I I personally don't like any of his movies, but everybody loves him. I'm trying to think of his name. Um he just recently did Asteroid City. Oh yeah, Wes Anderson. Oh, oh. Wes Anderson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've never really came across a Wes Anderson movie and I was like interested in watching it in its fullness. And yeah. And I, I do think he has a particular audience. And that's the same thing I think about Boots Riley. I think that there are people that that get it or maybe even think they get it or maybe can have conversations on what they think it is. And they like that type of stuff. And it works. But for me, it's just, it felt like one of those things where I felt like I was supposed to like it way more than I did. And I got to this point in my life where if I got to convince myself to like something, then I probably don't like it that much, you know. Um, but there are certain elements to it that I do like. Like, I do kind of like this idea of how it it comes off as like a modern day fairy tale. Mm-hmm. And in a way, from looking at it in that way, it kind of helped me reshape how I watched it. Like, if I'm because because if you go back and you think of like a fairy tale, it's it's all of course it's a lot of there's a moral somewhere. The very first it. image is a woman holding a. Well, what looks like a baby boy, but is like multiple times larger than a baby boy would ever be, and it's holding the baby like it's light, and like obviously, yeah, there's a lot of things about that are immediately very fantastic. And the baby's covered in blood while she's holding it, and she's also giving birth, but she's standing there with clothes on. So obviously, like it's doing it like a in a far land, a, a land far, far away kind of thing, basically from the very job. Yeah, so there are certain things that we have to accept coming into the story, like that this is not going to make any, it's not, it's not set in a world that's even trying to be set in a place of realism. You know, it's, it's a very um, fan, fairy tale-ish type world, but also a very absurd world at the same time. And sometimes, um, especially because you don't see that as much anymore, as much, <laughs> it's kind oh, yeah. of hard to accept or try to see what the artist um, is trying to do. Um, but yeah, when I when I looked at it from the point of a, from the the point of like a modern day version of a fairy tale, it kind of changed the way that I, I you know engaged in watching it. Is and there were certain episodes that I liked, but I also I think this is one of them things that would have operated better as a movie. That was my biggest thing. Huh. Like it's essentially a coming of age story, a coming of age modern day. Um, fairy tale type of story and I think that it would have served better as just a straight up movie and made its point that way than to have to you know go through all of this and some episodes left me thinking like what was the point of this whole entire episode you know so can can you give an example of that well you know okay 
Tim, we want to hear your thoughts before we get deep into examples. Keith, I want definitely, as soon as Tim's given done with his overview, I'd like for you to revisit one of the points you're talking about where you were like, what was the point of what we just did? Because I think that I have some thoughts on that too. And I'm, I'm curious where, where you had that moment for yourself. Um, Tim, what did you think of it? I mean, my understanding of Boots Riley is that he's like a Marxist revolutionary and tries to get the ideas of that across in his art. But he does this really interesting and unusual thing, which is kind of delving into comedic grotesquerie, which works really well in the songs. Um, there's a song called Piss on Your Grave that's just about, like, I refuse to pay tribute to, like, all of the the supposed heroes of American history who've actually done terrible things. And it's sort of illustrated by sketches where he just pisses on their graves. That's um, funny. And then well, I mean, terrible. It's terrible. Yeah, it's awful. And then there's a song called Fat Cats and Bigger Fish, which is incredible. That's just about like, you know, sneaking in and like basically picking pockets. But then it slides right into this song called Pimps, which is one of the best songs ever, um, where it's all these different millionaires and billionaires at a dinner party who are just bragging, um, pretending to be. You just have to listen to it. Just listen to Pimps, where they're trying to imitate rappers. Um, while they brag about their extreme wealth. And it's just, it just draws a parallel that's really, really, really funny. And then it ends with like Donald Trump as this like um, rude boy type guy. Um, you know what's great about that? Because I'm sure awesome. that song is before he became president. It is. And it kind of, know, it's, yeah. it's even the way that like the establishment is like, oh, don't look at him. It's a really good song. Um, yeah. And then there's another, there's a song called uh, The Guillotine, which is, maybe my favorite which is all about it's like this like gleeful um we're gonna bring the, like guess what we brought we got the guillotine so it's like we're gonna do another french revolution mm -hmm. um, but it's like a very bouncy like happy upbeat like party song so yeah. like his his stuff works really well in hip-hop because like hip-hop music and opera music and country western are kind of like supposed to be big and movies are usually kind of grounded like even movies that go totally wild start off pretty grounded so it's there's like a cognitive disconnect for me to try to follow his movies um because when they go into like the grotesque and weird zone it's like you're watching a horror movie almost um uh sorry to bother you does the same like throw the voices trick that the song pimps does um where like it's a white there's like it's a black character who uses a white voice mm -hmm. to make more sales and that's kind of what pimps kind of does in the inverse and then when it gets to the big twist of Sorry to Bother You, which I'm going to reveal now, um, it's just like you're on board with the movie or not. Uh, it's mm -hmm. that this like powerful corporation is kind of engineering people to be horses to work harder, um, which is just like gross. And, you know, you go for it or you don't. And then with this one, it's like you either buy, it's not grotesque, but it's like, it's a wild image. This child who's just gigantic it's it's just comic book absurd and the walton Gog goggins character is totally grotesque and absurd and do oh you, you don't even know to have do you suspend your disbelief and go for it or not and it's it's gonna just immediately alienate at least half the audience just like built into the to the very plan of it it's gonna alienate half the audience who are gonna go like this is ridiculous why is that child gigantic? I hate this. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, you, you there's a certain amount you have to accept 
going yeah. in. And and it's funny you, you said that because there are moments early on where I can earnestly say if if the whole point wasn't to, you know, try to talk about this critically, I would not have continued. Like right. at the time I was gone, I might have gone back, but I wouldn't have kept going. Yeah. Um, and it's it but it wasn't the moments of grotesqueness. There were other things that were kind of it, it kept I can suspend disbelief, but it was just like the way it was doing doing certain stuff and cutting was just like really it was like jarring. It was it made me feel like I was missing something, or like somebody else had powers in some way that I didn't understand. Yeah. But but it was like I don't think that's what was happening, but that's only what certain things could anyway. So there's, there's there could be an Ant Man and the Wasp Quantumania problem where things feel so disconnected from reality that the whole thing is weightless and you just can't be invested in it at all. And I think yeah. that's the danger with something like this is if the metaphors are so so big, do you get disconnected from the basic point that he's making? So. Before we, well, because I think these things may be connected in some ways. Keith, you said there were things uh, that you want to point out. Could you give us one of those examples that you were uh, going to run through? I forgot. Um, I forgot what I was saying. <laughs> oh, just, what you were trying to remember? Uh, let me, let's see if we can recall. All right. So you were saying that there were moments where you felt like, uh, how th- this is not the word you use. It was something about like feeling disconnected or not cohesive in certain ways. Like you would do something, like why do we just do that? Yeah, like um, I think the first time I realized it was, um, damn, what was this? The friend that the friend that dies. Yes, at the end of episode three. Yeah. So. Okay, this, this is my thing, and maybe maybe this is just me. Maybe I'm old school. I think every like episode has to have like a, a general purpose, right? And like if you start in the episode a certain type of way, I'm that's how I'm expecting. So so there was this whole thing with this particular episode where it starts off, and you think you know the the big focus is on him going on a date our main character going on a date with Flora, his love interest right mm-hmm. and, and possibly having sex with her there's this whole thing that's right? plot a uh-huh. and then this this other plot comes out of nowhere that we didn't expect and then really uh, honestly just it, it literally comes out of nowhere right where where your friend he's like i'm gonna go get you something bro like that yeah, he goes to the comic book store and then he's skating and then it's it seemed to be like a fun scene, right? Because he's he's doing these tricks in the air and there's this point where it's like he pauses in this suspended animation, but then he comes down and he get that thing just that that jams into his gut. And so and then we have this whole thing of him trying to go to the hospital. They won't let him into the hospital because he doesn't have insurance. And so he just bleeds out, you know. And eventually dies. That's pretty much the short of it. But well, well, wait a minute. Hold on, hold on. No, you you got to tell the whole story because that's the point of what happens after the. Fight. I mean, but that's that's the whole thing. The whole thing is that like if somebody told me that an episode was focusing on a main character, um, going you know being nervous about going on a date with this girl, being nervous about losing his virginity, having sex, but then in that same episode, said friend dies 
because he hurts himself in a skating accident. Like, and 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 when he goes to the hospital, they won't let him. It, it just it just the 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 tone of it switched way too dramatically and way. Too well, I, well, I'm okay with that, but let, let's let's talk through a few more of the circumstances only because they're important to what happens next. I don't know if you saw the episode after that, but basically, but that's what I'm saying. The episode that that by itself threw me off because I was like, me and Randall, me and my wife watched that episode and we was like, what was the point of this? Well, but hold, but, but, but hold, hold on. So, so, so just real quick, let's just talk about what happened right after. So really real quick, he, he does. That's another episode. Hospital. I, I know. But, this is another episode. Right, right, right. But, but just, just to say everything and, and, and as they went through, he goes to the hospital. They won't let him in or they won't service him because he doesn't have insurance. So then they tell him to go to another hospital across town. So he starts trying to go. But then he's having trouble and then he was going to call somebody. But then it's almost like it is the is the lesson that you need to know people's number. Because remember, he would have called somebody. I think maybe his phone was messed up. He asked that you somebody's phone, but then they let him borrow it. He didn't know anybody's phone number by heart. So now he's just sitting there bleeding out on the bus stop. So that added more time to it. Sending the dude seeing how this car was messed up. He then takes him back to that original hospital. And then they don't come quick enough. And then they use social media. People who were videotaping all the situation say that this hospital and the corporate interest that it, you know, serves killed this dude because they ain't let him in, yada, yada, yada. So it serves a plot point in that way. Now, I know you're saying it didn't happen in the episode. I'm just saying if we're going to say what it was for. That's yeah, it's, what it's, 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 it's working for in the plot. The point, to, to answer your question, that's why it's so disjointed. Like, it happened. Yeah towards the tail end of one episode that's about one thing and then it goes into being something in the next episode but it, i don't now, know but let me ask you let me ask you now even though and this is disjointed but let me just see if you you're buying this at all because if you remember in the end of episode three even even if he had known their phone numbers everybody's distracted the, the one dude trying to fix his car and then the girl is at a party Mac and, and then Cootie is trying to get some. So like nobody will really it just so happens just how stuff is set up. Nobody was probably gonna answer. Excuse me, on time anyway. But even with that being the case, I think with again, like what what does this mean overall? Like is this admonishing the characters? I have no idea. But it's just like this whole thing that they were too busy to kind of notice that he had a, a situation going on. And needed somebody to help him, but it's even, like they don't, don't even really, honestly, use that to affect, in my opinion, in the rest of the season. And there are these moments where that character who died shows up as a ghost. Like people would just kind of be around, and I don't know if, if Cootie definitely sees him or not. And then sometimes, like that, the ghost is like really. It's like, it's always where Cootie is. Like, he might leave a place, but he'll still stay there with another person who's still in the room. And I'm like, was well, he with them? Or is he just kind of going to different people? And is he actually watching the situation? It's just weird, because it doesn't come up. He's just kind of... I mean, literally, if if you don't see that character as a ghost in no scenes, it does not change the scenes at all. Yeah, I, I mean, I just didn't like it at all. Like, I don't... I didn't like it. Like I watched the next episode to see if I would feel any type of way about it. And it was like, okay, I like the little, um, little, little speech she gave. That was, that was nice, I guess. You mm -hmm. know? Um, 
And they I'm do that. By the way, uh, Keith, real quick. So that power she uses giving the speeches, the way the show ends, I'm not even joking. Like in the last five minutes, um, the heat, I, I'm going to skip everything. If y'all want to hear everything, I can get to how this even happens. But um, Cootie is fighting the hero. And um, I, whatever, he ends up getting chained up. And then he's like, use the thing, do your thing, you know, with him. And for some reason, the hero decides to sit and listen. And and he doesn't know she has powers, but she starts using her powers as she can, tries to convince him that he's the one that's in the wrong. And then um, he's convinced that he's wrong. And then uh, I actually don't even remember what happens right after. I mean, it's like another minute left of the whole show after that. Like they win and he's sad. And then that little scar thing that Cootie had on his side starts opening up out of his body, and then the credits roll. I mean, it's all intentional, right? It's yeah. He's making these very intentional choices to do things that are perceived as weird. Mm-hmm. And somehow, and maybe my favorite part of the show, all of that gets through the Amazon noting process. Like mm-hmm. Jeff Bezos has to pay him money to do this. Yeah, it is kind of interesting. It was tasks where their agents and everybody are like, okay, all right, that's what we're doing. But like, it's definitely not. It If you put it on like the blacklist and said, review this script, they would go, well, I don't understand why how this connects to this or this connects to this. And how does this do mm-hmm. it? doesn't like work in any traditional sense. So then we get into like almost like Godard or. He's no, like, but like, but he's movie. purposely fighting for him. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so, it, it's almost like you, you can't you get into these like sensory movies that are like almost about your emotions more mm-hmm. than about the logic of the plot. And, but and it's also, such a also go ahead. I was gonna say there's also something. Um, he seems to be an artist, and I know other artists that's like this too, and they just. I, I don't personally agree with this, but it's almost like you make something that only you understand. You make something that you would love. Yeah, I, and I think people should make something that you love, but I'm saying there's making something that you love and there's making something that only you can understand. You know what I'm saying? Like, if uh-huh. you, like, there has to be, of course, you shouldn't t- treat your audience like they're complete idiots and spell everything out to them. Like, for example, I think, um, we talk about Japanese anime for some time. Mm-hmm. Japanese anime is essentially like that. Like they will explain a whole plot while the plot is going on. And mm-hmm. we accept it because it's anime. But if anybody else did that, we'd be like, this is kind of whack, right? Like like in any yeah, other thing. how you do it, yeah. But um, but anime does it all the time. And mm-hmm. and and to the point of like with Boots Riley, like it, it's almost like you gotta watch it with knowing like this is some boots shit. And so I'm 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 not going to completely get it. He's going to try to make a point and and maybe you know I get something from it. You know, whereas like you go you see Get Out, most people can have a different I guess perception of what Get Out is about, right? But for the most part, people generally understand what Get Out is, right? Mm-hmm. Like you generally yeah, agree on what happened and like yeah. why the things that happened made logical sense. Right, you can follow it, and and this is not this is not that. This well, but but so it's kind of the weird thing is he, the plot itself is is not clear, but what he wants to say 
is stated bluntly and you still might not understand it. What do you think he ultimately wants to say? I mean, what do you think is, what is the metaphor of Gerald Jerome being gigantic? Oh, that I have no fucking idea. Um, but so that's what I mean. Like, I, I don't I don't even understand like the allegory being pointed to necessarily in any particular way. You know, it's interesting to see. I mean, like, this also thing you could assume that is meant how they use those newspaper clippings to be like, here's what they did to giant people, you know, who are like you, and, da, 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 and how humans always find ways to, you know, otherize all these other things. And every time he gets seen, especially initially like you know he's he's it's like people don't treat him like they like they look at him like they've never seen a giant but they don't necessarily otherize him uh, yeah, like it's almost like there's there might be this concept that the people in this world are kind of familiar with giants to a certain extent mm-hmm. yeah they're not a secret yeah it's like you just don't people, people people know that that they they're not like magical beings like if you see one it's super rare but like you're not gonna be like, oh my god i've never seen john which, which adds know. to my whole thing of it being like kind of like this modern day fairy tale because if that's the case then there's this there's certain things like even in a fairy tale or fantasy world like there's certain things that you kind of understand it you know like like even like, like like let's say like in tokens in middle earth right mm-hmm. like you you most humans didn't see elves that much, but if you you saw an elf walking down the street, you might be like, "Damn, that's an elf," but it's not gonna be something that make you be like, "God damn, that's an elf." You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's, it's, it it might be that that's just the type of world that they're in, um, and and maybe you know the kind of I feel like because I'm thinking I've been thinking about this giant thing, and I'm thinking like, is it because he once again? Is creating like this modern day fairy tale world, and what better way to like tell a coming of age story than from that of a point of view of a giant? That's one thing. And then it was like I was like I don't know this is symbolic to being a young black man in a sense. Um, yeah, I guess so. But it's like you're laying it, layering that on top of him being around black people. I it's it's just but, yeah. That's know. what I first thought. I thought like, oh, this is a perfect metaphor for like when black parents have to tell their child, you're going to be perceived as dangerous, even though you're not, even though you're just a person going. But it's the, the thing. It's like it's so on the nose later. Like I don't know, man. Like, it, it, I want to say it's episode six. Like they literally, like he or maybe it's episode five. He's um on house arrest after being arrested by the hero, and uh, he he's watching television. And there, every time he switches the channel, somebody's talking about the Thwomp Monster, and it gets like just more and more aggressive and egregious with the language and and dog whistling, and to the point it just stops even dog whistling, just talking about talking about how like dangerous the Thwomp Monster is, and here's a security system to keep you safe from Thwomp Monster, and it's like you know, of course he starts doing oh like the typical I'm going crazy, I'm knocking things over, I'm angry, yelling at something. Um, Okay. Well, yeah. I don't know. It's it's some of it's so on the nose. It's like, all right, I get it, man. I really do. But I feel like we said this already. Um, and or even like there's like such surprise. Like even after he gets arrested by the hero, Hootie still like has this weird sort of admiration for him. So when he finally gets to the point where he he sticks up for himself, he decides he's gonna be a supervillain and actually acts to what his parents have been. Preparing for for not going to be a supervillain, but for him to take it to 
the corporations and fight back because they were always going to come for him anyway. And I'm like, okay, this doesn't make sense. I thought they were trying to protect him. And that's building weapons and things. I thought they were probably like some force of people or some shit. It's just them just digging around because dudes like a Mike Epps' character is a janitor that works at some lab, so sometimes he takes trinkets out. So he's made some kind of makeshift guns. That's all this stuff is. It's not even like a real thing, but then they got these little screens and things that come to... It's just like, what is this, like a little fun battleship thing? That's not a real plan or anything. I don't know. It's just like, it just felt like the payoffs for some of this stuff just didn't feel right. But episode six, man, is weird because it's a, the whole thing just about the hero. You just kick it with him all day. And honestly, I could spoil that shit for y'all. Go watch episode six. Just just watch it. Don't even, I'm not, even for the people watching this show. You know, or if you let's just say somehow you you gone through this party episode, somehow you ain't watched none of I'm a Virgo yet. Just watch episode six. Just look, it's an experience. I'll just tell you that. Like it is what the hell exactly is it saying? I don't know, but is it interesting to look at? Yes, it is very interesting to look at. I couldn't I could say a lot about it. But it, it, since you guys haven't seen, I really don't want to spoil it. It's, it's definitely worth experiencing. I'll just say that. It's got a lot to say about fascist Batman. This is an allusion, of course, to George Lopez saying in Blue Beetle that Batman's a fascist. Well, uh, and well, the idea going back to like Frank Miller, Dark Knight. That's all I'm about to say. That which is a reference to, to actual academia talking about the. Uh, uh, but the Dark Knight Returns, yeah, that was the book. Yeah. Um, I love that read of Batman. I think it's super cool. Batman is a fascist. Yeah, apparently. Uh, I mean... But he's it, it, it's kind of like he's our fascist. It's like the uh, Team America thing. You well, know, I mean, about Team America, right? Well, see, the, the thing is, though, see, you can call it all that, but we don't live in a world where there's a Gotham City. And if there was actually a Gotham City, yeah, yeah. I mean... Maybe the police need some help, dog. I don't know. Yeah. Just, because, uh, like with children's programming, like superhero shows, there's a lot of like, you stole a candy bar. Now you're going where you belong. Jail. You're like, wait mm-hmm. a minute. Hold up, PJ Masks. Mm-hmm. Like a little bit. <laughs> a little aggressive there with their penalties. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we do kind of like almost, like superheroes are do tend to be a little fascist like you know i see somebody ostensibly committing a crime i go down and break their jaw um there's no trial there's no why did they commit the crime there's no well okay but see okay see i guess i guess that's part of it though like superheroes catch people in the middle of a crime they never they're not like catching suspected criminals you know what i mean like like if, if, if they don't catch you with the money in your hand, I ain't gonna do shit. But, but even, but even like in the sentencing structure of like the getting, getting punched like that, in, injured. But, but they'll, like, go like, they'll go like, well, wait a minute. All right, you came from a terrible background. Um, you know, your parents beat you in rockaholics. Um, this stuff happened. This stuff happened. 
like there are some mitigating circumstances. You were trying to pay for your your mom's operation, whatever. There is some mitigating stuff. Where well, they, Batman is like that's why all I did was tear your rotator cuff. I could have took out your ACL too. Yeah, Batman is super controlled every single time he deals with anybody. <laughs> Maybe he's not a fascist. I don't know, but <laughs> I mean, he he doesn't. I know it's like he don't kill, but that dental bill gonna be a bitch. Yeah. I never completely agree with the fascist thing. I mean, uh, outside of the fact that you would think somebody with that much money would do something more, you know, for their city, outside of, you know, dressing up like a bad and whooping people's ass at night. Right. Also understanding that Batman is also a product of Gotham City himself. Yeah. Like, it's... And he could have easily went the route of just being, adding more to the disease and to the crime of what, what what is Gotham City. Yeah. But also, it's like he's not like the hero in this thing where he's like trying to like, hey, you guys are um what what were they like just standing outside and like trying to break break up block parties and shit? Like he's not that guy. Like he doesn't. Operate. Yeah. So so that's the thing that's so funny about the show. Like they the way they present a superhero to you and I'm a Virgo is this dude's just a fucking asshole. Well, like well, he'll, he'll just oh, oh oh you're drag racing oh I gotta come break like he, he like well, takes easy ass crimes he never like in in the in the drug dens you know <laughs> like taking out people. What I'm saying is that he's presented and how cops are in most times presented as just there to protect the interests of corporations. Mm-hmm. For the most part, yeah. and Batman isn't there. I'm I'm, uh, I'm I'm sorry. I'm not just trying to defend Batman, but I'm just saying. That there, there's a clear difference between a character like the hero or even the um, quote unquote superheroes of the boys than like Batman, for example. Like, certainly, yeah. You, you well, never hear about Batman breaking a person's back because they stole that, because uh, they were standing outside. They were, you know, soliciting in the area or that they, um, I don't know some trash on the ground or something it's usually like violent crimes the majority of the time is violent crimes or something look man i I think it's okay that you've filed an application to wayne tech i think you'll get the interview Uh, there's a great thing i always think about it in a (laughs) that's good there's a thing i always think about in um batman year one by frank miller where somebody's like stealing a tv set and they're on a fire escape and batman's like kicking them and I think either they like fall off the fire escape or he falls off the fire escape, but it's like a definite case of Batman, you overdid it. Like, yeah. Like that's he, like a that's, that's his beginning. I mean, he just right. Oh, that's what he's he, learning. Yeah. He was like baby Batman at this point. He's like, bro, you're doing a little too much over that TV. But that's yeah. some great drama. Like Batman figuring out how to do his job is a great drama. And like And also realizing, eh, very let the TV go. But also, like Bruce Wayne being like, all right, I'm going to start this scholarship program and uh, this is going to be the community beautification project is just not a good show. <laughs> well, him, but, but that's the thing that was so interesting about um, the cartoon series in the 90s was uh, you got a little of both. You got some of the boardroom, Bruce. You got him uh, trying to date Selena and, and fall in love with women who turn into uh freaking clay face <laughs> it's still stupid actually i don't think that that exact thing happened but like you know like he oh my god now this wasn't that actually so real quick 
one of the best episodes of Batman anything for a cartoon was in Batman Beyond. Keith, I don't know if you remember this. Uh, remember, he, he got married to, oh, he's about to get married to Talia. Do you remember what happened with that? Oh, wow. It's actually Roz in Talia's body. Oh, my God. Oh, so messed up. Because he was about to convince Bruce to take, well, as, as, as Talia, he was going to convince him to use the Lazarus pit to regain his strength and this and that. And he was going to take Bruce's body. Oh, I remember it was something sick. This shit, oh, so gross. I was like, oh my mm-hmm. god, but what a story! And it was messed up because Terry McGinnis, who was Batman at the time, was there with him. Um, and you know, and it was cool because they got to fight together like as peak Batman for like a minute. Oh, that's so cool. Is that is that crazier than a twenty foot kid riding the back of a car? That's that's yeah. not that. You know, we can suspend our disbelief. Right. I appreciate. The vision, I really do. I don't. I don't think it works as a whole. The cartoon thing, like you talking about the grotesque stuff, was. I'd still halfway get it, but, you know, it. He really does have, a particular vision, and, and a very strong sense of justice as it pertains to, um, what the people should be, uh, going through or it pertains to economic values like what they should not be going through yeah um yeah and and i think that that's always a really striking tone so i think anything that he's doing is going to serve the purpose of furthering his uh marxist beliefs and you know it's it's a message i appreciate um as a whole package i don't think it totally works uh there are all sorts of moments here i just feel like didn't serve the whole body of work. And I think the plane could have landed better at the end. Um, now I'm remembering what happened, um, which was pretty much exactly what I said, but then to a conclusion of nothing. Um, if this show does nothing but redistribute wealth from Jeff Bezos to a bunch of creatives with wild ideas, I love it for that. I love yeah. it. I just, I, I have had his voice in my headphones for 30 years and <laughs> I like the weird way he thinks. Yeah. Uh, I, just, I-, I just, the the only thing this, that this show honestly is probably missing for me is not diving deep enough into what it means to be a giant. It's almost <laughs> like a thing. Well, what all I mean is like Cootie doesn't really mm, in many ways, he doesn't even see himself as a giant. And it's a really, really important thing. Like to to reuse symbolism of Sambo's and things like that, while you got him in a museum, right? Um, because they actually now the, the thing the truth, and that's the thing. See, since it's playing with so much stuff, it's like it's hard to tell what is and isn't fiction for some people, what are allusions to real things. Now, they really did used to take African peoples and put them in museums. And they would take women with particular big butts or other parts that were large than European women and have them up in a zoo. This is a real fucking thing. That yeah. actually happened. And so, you know, I, I wish there were ways in which he went ahead and just jumped a little deeper into what they, because they talked about the giants in those news articles and clips at the beginning, how they were used that way. And in many ways, that prejudice was present on people's eyes, like when they saw him in the museum, but it's like, we never saw how that played out in the world other than in the media for corporations game. But that's like not as interesting to me 
is what it actually means to live in this fairy tale world and be a giant among the people. Like it was so interested in telling like this larger story that it just forgot other than like his literal size and the awkwardness of him being around and moving about in a physical space. It forgot what was interesting about Cootie to me and, and, and what mattered to him. It was so much about it was like about him fighting a man essentially. But I just felt like what was important to the story was was something more. And the thing is, because Boots Riley's stories tend not to have character as a primary focus, they tend to suffer from um like why does this matter? Mm-hmm. Like you you might understand why it matters from like the Marxist, you know, uh teachings he's laying down and what matters to him but what matters to his characters oftentimes gets missed and and lost in the larger message that he's providing Mm. at least that's true in the things that I've seen of his so far oh sorry thanks mom for calling it the perfect time Uh, Uh, Keith any closing thoughts um no I don't have anything um like I said, I didn't I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I would. I don't think it's a bad show at all. I think um to the point, you know, it's just one of those things like either get it or you feeling it or you're not. I still um plan on giving it another watch through. It's just, you know, I started watching the bear and <laughs> oh, <laughs> you, know, dude. you know, sometimes you watch certain stuff that you actually like or the right passionate about. Yeah, so I, I just kind of got into those things. But at the same time, I do think it's a solid show. I think it's worth watching. I think, especially if you like more uh, bombastic stuff or things to kind of get you thinking and get the wheels turning and stuff. Or even if you a fan of Boots Riley's content, because, I mean, I kind of like, um, I'm, you know, sorry to bother you. And mm-hmm. I just, and, and I do think there's so much things that, um, so much real good potential that I am a Virgo has. I do stand by my thing that I think that it may have operated better as a TV show and just made its point. I'm telling you, episode six will make you rethink that a little bit. I mean, like I, I there are ways I see well, that this I'm, works I'm saying, much better that way. I'm saying that because I mean there wouldn't be an episode six if it was just a TV show. Yeah, that's 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 all I mean. But I, I think there are things he wanted to say that he couldn't have done with a film. Right, but I don't know. You, you just there's always ways to do it, and I and I think that about a lot of TV shows. I think some some people just make stuff a TV show just to make it a TV show, and it could have, but because then you got that good stuff that you're saying is in episode six, right? But then that doesn't also account for the well. Rest wait a minute, I, I didn't necessarily call it good. I well, just I'm said he had something he wanted to say, and I'm not even saying it's bad. I just I just want I I would. I hate that, like, like, we're not going to do, like, a mini pod for, like, 10 minutes just to see what you thought. Like, I, I really wish y'all had seen that because it's it's a trip. It, it's unlike anything I've seen this year so far. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the same thing Keith did where nothing against I'm a Virgo, but I started watching The Bear. And <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> no. watching The Bear, you can't stop watching The Bear. Yeah, and and it's and it's the the story is coherent too. You know, like it's it's that's more attractive to watch something that's a little bit more coherent. And what I was saying about it being shortened into a movie is that it just kind of, I feel like we spend too much time with 
Because sometimes I can get be over like the whole thing, even the whole giant thing, especially if it's not explained right away or, you know, or just utilize after a few episodes is like, I don't even care anymore. Whereas like if we just kind of get there, get to the point, have a focus on like, is this a coming of age story or not? And what does this mean? Like what type of points, what are you trying to say? I think that would have been better or maybe it'd been better as an animated show. I don't know. Because um, the animation does also change how we view certain things and certain stories and stuff. Yeah, but that's not that's not the show's problem, though. The, sh- the show's yeah. problem is I not said, medium or presentation. I said maybe. Because, oh, no, I'm, no, I'm, no. It, it, you you still back. have to structure it different. You off, structure plays a huge part, but you off back and um, accept certain stuff in animation that is just hard. Like, even the idea of, like, how the hell does he keep going in and out of the house and he's so damn big like uh, i mean I don't, I don't that don't bother me too i like the, the physical me. stuff like i mean also I, I roll it, with. also it just bothers me that he just every like i said just every interaction with him just being around is just like oh god it's just a giant person man but look as soon as i saw him sit on the car and the car didn't fall apart i had to let it go i had to let everything sitting, go he's always in this uncomfortable. I don't know why that bothered me so much. Maybe it made me feel claustrophobic like how he's always... Because like, he's always lurched over. Yeah. yeah. Once you make the decision to to do this show, like, that's just kind of got to be a thing. I guess and that's a it's, it's a silly thing to complain about to some degree, but it was like, it never looked like he was comfortable in spaces. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and there was something about that, like his inability to adjust that made him still feel like he wasn't quite, when when he started making certain decisions, and it was weird because like he'd be trying to talk more like a leader would on certain stuff. And it, and it's a basic thing and it sounds silly, but like every time these things would come up, it was funny because couldn't figure out why it didn't feel convincing. And I mean, it's because he still kind of uses tone of voice, which is whatever, but it, it's occurring to me now. It's because he was lurched over the whole time. <laughs> like, you don't think about it, but like posture matters for like when you're saying things like that, you know, like somebody's supposed to be like convincing or like, all right, like, let's roll with this dude. Or, like, yeah, I agree. Like, you know, like, but he all like, all right, yeah, so guys, we're gonna, so he's already talking like that, but then he also kind of lurched over you like, oh, okay. I don't know. That's weird. I hadn't even thought about that, but that is like a a thing that matters for that those kind of moments, you know? Like being yeah. able to stand tall and do it. Like, you know, if he was like, you know, are you not entertained, but he's lurched over like Cootie, like, oh, okay. Yeah. And it don't have the same effect. And it definitely had a good premise. I think that just kind of the concept of it was actually pretty dope. But like you said, like we're saying, it's just kind of missed the mark a little bit for me. It's just like it just has too much going on. Like you don't have to have the parents that are like at the beginning, there's a mystery of what they're doing. And then like at first they don't even have to be there. But if you don't when you have mysteries like that, the payoff it it should feel like it's worth it. That that I, I've gone through this time, I've spent these additional hours with you. Here's this payoff. Oh man, that's neat. You know? Like you don't want the payoff to be like it's one thing for it to be predictable, but when it's a letdown, you're like, oh. It wasn't even that. Damn. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like that, that feels a little weird. So when you build up all these mysteries and then, I mean, you, you know, maybe you get to all of them, maybe you don't. Um, and it, oh my God, there's so many meta moments when the hero's talking and it's like, it's Boots Riley talking to the audience. 
um, it almost felt like that moment where like you're watching episode eight of Star Wars and it's like, kill everything, uh, Ray. We we need to let everything die. And you're like, okay, man, calm down. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's doing that kind of stuff uh near the end. It's like, all right, all right, I got it. Uh, anything else close? Like you said, uh, Keith, uh, you asked for his closing thoughts. I, I feel like I've said my spiel. Uh, Tim, any any last ones for you? No. Um, for cool albums, I would start with Genocide and Juice. Uh, just great shit. This man is a a real uh, a real uh, believer. He's gonna spread the gospel. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so I think that's all we got. We'll be back next week with something else. Maybe the bear. Who knows? Uh, Keith and my favorite show. <laughs> you guys won't die. Stop talking about the bear. All we right, man. I'm, I'm sorry watching it. <laughs> but Walton Goggins is on that too. Very good. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I guess this is it for us. I'll well, holler y'all next one. Peace. Peace. Peace.